talk title. Transmutation. Okay, I'll go with that. So this is a transmutation is a question quite often is used in Buddhism, especially in the in the Vajrayana or the tantric tradition of ancient Tibet and uh, somewhat in contemporary Tibet and in the Tibetan orders that are in exile, including His Holiness Dalai Lama. So my idea of transformation comes from reflecting on that a long time. I don't know if I've given a talk on it, possibly. I don't recall. It's a dictionary definition of that. Does anyone know? So trans means to change. Form means to change form. Asian means to, what does Asian mean? A thorough or dramatic change in form or appearance, a metamorphosis during the life cycle. That'll do. Excuse me. Thank you. So the idea here is that we're going to, uh, through the practice of training our minds, meditation practice and other practices, studying, uh, doing the forms that you've uh, done this evening while I was napping. <laughs> Not an easy thing to talk about without actually entering into it with some kind of relative way of uh, doing this. And so I have to use relative images, but hopefully I can use them in such a way that will take you uh, in a, maybe a different understanding. And so it's not exactly about changing the form, at least um, not in the way it appears here. It is about seeing that the form has always been transformed that it's always been the form that it is it changes into or appears to change into. So it appears that way. It's even taught that way. And, and uh, it's even promoted as you can change your, like um, uh, um, the uh, alchemists uh, ancient times would change lead into gold and so on, so on, so on like that and talk about formulas that could do that. Ponce de Leon back in the, uh, a few hundred years ago came to the, uh, the West, um, and looking for the fountain of youth. I mean, always looking for something better. Second noble truth of the Buddha, first one is life is suffering, life is discontent. You're not going to like this. <laughs> and, uh, and the second one is the reason that it's suffering is because you want something else. You don't like what this is. And there's a misunderstanding that people think that you need to just accept what this is. And I don't agree. You don't have to accept anything. You don't have to reject anything. You don't have to ignore anything. You hear me say that over and over and over, over and over and over and over. Unless they don't, then it won't be over and over and over. Is that a hiccup? Okay. I was hoping it wasn't a sticker. <laughs> yeah, stop eating candy. So uh, transformation. The idea there is that what occurs through the through training the mind and being and looking at everything that moves. Not going in and meddling with it and trying to work with it. This is and I'm not against that. The, the tantric practices are very much about uh, endeavoring to manipulate aspects of the consciousness and the mind in order to get certain kinds of results. Very much so. Not incorrect. And I'm, I say uh, I'm able to say that because I've practiced. I haven't done every practice, but I've done a fair amount and understand what that practice is. I'm not separating from that, but I'm also also, also not joining it. I'm not doing anything with it. It's if it if anything, it's it's doing itself. So transformation is about looking at the form 
until you see what it fundamentally is. So yes, there is a transformation, but it isn't about in the same way that transformation shows up in the conventional word as form. I mean, as a change uh, into something else. It's more like it under under it uncovers something that was already that way. And in order for that transformation to occur, one has to practice uh, technique, sitting practice of meditation. There are a lot of teachers that say you don't need to meditate. There's, there are Buddhist teachers that, even though the Buddha meditated a great deal, as far as we know, there are Buddhist teachers that don't encourage sitting practice of meditation, but rather other kinds of ritualized practice. So it is about, I'm going to use a, another way of looking at it, Another way of looking at it is about the awareness gets so strong that the forms that arise in the, in the awareness are eventually the awareness. This is very pictorial. If you just, I can't think of another way to say it. It's like the we begin to see that the awareness in which the situation arises, the objects, the form, the passion, the aggression, the ignorance, the hope, the fear, uh, the the jealousy. Instead of trying to get rid of those, which is what the ego mind wants to do, oh, I just don't want to be jealous. I'm just sick of that feeling. Or, or I, I want to, uh, I want to be peaceful. I just want to, I'm going to meditate and I'm just going to just try to be as, as, as I'm just going to try to emulate, I'm just going to try to pacify my mind and just be peaceful. I'm not saying you can't do that, but anytime you do something to something else, you're buying into what dependent origination, you're buying into cause and effect. This moves, makes a sound. Not wrong. It's just circular. Pretty soon, I'll do that again. <laughs> something else will do that, and then something else will happen. Then you go to sleep, and you wake up, you go to sleep, and then pretty soon you won't wake up, or you'll wake up, and your, your life will end. It's not, I'm not being pessimistic. It's just the truth. Death comes without warning. This body will be a corpse. But you're not going anywhere. Transformation, transmutation, trans transforming, transmuting something uh, in such a way that you you see its true nature. And it seems that it seems that the the awareness uh, and the, the form that rises in the awareness and the awareness that hosts the form or has the spaciousness, just like this room is here. The room is empty. Uh, other than there are people in it, but it's empty of, of being a room. Uh, there isn't any such thing as a room. There's just walls. There's ceilings. There's floors. There's no such thing as a room. A room is space. What do they call it? Room. Where is Rumi, by the way? He's very spacious. He's in that <laughs> little box. Not so spacious. He's lost weight, hasn't he? He's very slender. That's the TV camera pointing at his crib. Very good. So how do we do this? I can tell you how you do it is to train your mind to see clearly what this is so that you can see through the projections, the ideas, the opinions, the beliefs that every human being, most human beings are have in front of their life. They have all of these ideas about their life instead of actually living their life because that might be threatening. That might be dangerous. That might be risky. It's like, I mean, you don't want to do anything, it's risky. Yeah. So train your mind, look at it, see what it is. And what what is it? You'll you might have to look at it quite a while before it just looks like something you don't understand, something you still don't understand. And then later on, something you still don't understand. Please don't give up. Keep going. And it won't necessarily feel like a going. 
there won't be that kind of a process. That's why it's necessary to have the three jewels, the Buddha, the awakened one, the one who's sane, who's not at war with anything, in particular himself. Those days are gone. Transformation. It's, it's the same and different. It's the same and different. Sandokai. Same. Equality of sameness and difference. If your mind is spinning, going in circle, and you're looking for this and grasping that and throwing this away and trying to prevent this and trying to manipulate this, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not saying it's right. But I am saying that you'll continue to spin. You'll continue to what? Look for something else. And I would say you could, if you're listening to me right now, even if you're, you've recently come in here as gentlemen have, if you're listening to me, you're meant to be here. And what you do with it, then that's up to you. But you don't have to keep spinning. You could actually look at the spinning instead of objecting to it, instead of agreeing with it. When I say agreeing, I'm saying one of the ways we agree, it's very subtle, is to blame somebody for it. So we haven't totally agreed, but we instead of being responsible for the spinning, uh, as well if it weren't for them, if it wasn't how my uh, parents raised me, if it wasn't uh, the schooling I got, if it wasn't being born on the uh, uh, other side of the tracks, whatever it used to call, they used to call it. Looking for something else, looking for something else. Please, this is your opportunity. You're a living being. As far as I can tell, everybody's a living being. You're a living being. This is your opportunity to find out what this is. I can't do it for you. The Buddha can't do it for you. No one can do it for you. The only function that I have as a teacher is I have an understanding of something, and I'm telling you about it. And what am I saying about it? You need to see it. I can't go, here it is. Or I can't point to something and say, believe in that. Believe in that. Believe in that. Don't believe in anything. And especially don't believe anything I say. But don't disbelieve it and don't ignore it. Those are the three, again, three poisons. Passion, aggression, and ignorance. Those are the three ways we create a, a whole whirlpool of ways to avoid seeing what this fundamentally is. And what is it fundamentally? Not separate. It's just a very conceptual way of saying what this looks like. Question. How do the teaching structures help us to see more clearly? Um, name one teaching structure. Um, well, you just said not separate. How, how does something like that help us with the practice of meditation? So the way it's intended, you may not be receiving this way, uh, receiving it this way, but it is to look at the separations not to try to pretend that it's separate, but look at the way things are separate. Look at me, look at you, look at... <laughs> no. Oh. Guy. <laughs> <Sheenie> guy. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, noodle man. <laughs> yes, noodle man. So um, look at the separations and then just, just appreciate or look at or include the separations so because if you're looking at the separations, those are the things that lead us into the idea, ideas or concepts of separation. But if you're really going down to the source of this, you will not come up with, if you're looking at it closely, you, over time, repetition, 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 keep sitting, you will see that they're actually not separate, that this was something you just invented based on picking and choosing. I'm wanting something else. I'm wanting to have control of everything. You have no control. I can pick this up. I can wave it in the air. And what do I take from that? If I'm not seeing uh, clearly, I'll think I have control. 
but that's a very it's a very limited area we have control. Uh, I'll just say it in two ways. I didn't make this. This was a reform or uh, the conventional transmutation or transformation uh, by someone taking a knife and carving it and sanding it. I didn't do it, and I didn't invent. I didn't make this. At least not consciously. This is a hand connected to the rest of this form, eyes, tongue, nose, body, mind. I picked that up, but it's two things coming together in a certain way, not separate, separated. So it seems to be necessary to just like the word not separate is to look at that. It's a very simple statement. I'm not saying we're all one. Oh, that would be that would be misleading because that is uh, some kind of a conclusion about it. And you could say, I could say, or anybody could say, well, not separate is also a conclusion. Yeah, but it's also a little bit of a conundrum. It's actually a, a koan or a problem because, damn, everything's separate all over the place. Even our thoughts are separate. Everything is separated everywhere. You can't find two things that are in the same place. So how does that work? How do you find that out? Look at it over and over and over again. Why would you do that? Because I said so. You're here. You give me permission to say, Check this out. Do this. You know, sit here for 20 years. Yes. If we are receiving something from you in the, like a teaching or an instruction, and it looks like there's no other reason we're doing it except for because you said so, are we not fully understanding that? I think that part comes and goes. Uh, you, I went through a period with my, uh, my first teacher, uh, Trungpa Rinpoche, when I would have, I would just start to have doubts about what was happening because my experience was so flat and neutral and I felt like I wasn't getting anywhere. It was back in the 70s. I just feel like, and I would, the comment my ego mind is making is, what the hell are you doing this for? It was ridiculous. You're going to follow this guy? Yep, I'm going to. And part of that is I, I'd had enough of trying all kinds of other things, trying to figure it out, trying to understand, trying to, and I'm not going to go down the list I have before probably. But just uh, I just think this is a, uh, and, and also referring back to his teaching or going back to some original thing that he said or some or my original inspiration as he often said to even do that in the first place, and then uh, uh, I received a vow, a refuge vow, from him, and that that kind of helped me a little bit. That having change of name, we weren't taught to use the name, so therefore I didn't use it. I never used it. I think I might have, I think I did some pen and ink or some brush and ink drawings once and signed that name. But other than that, uh, I guess we know who controls you. <laughs> Only for 18 years. So, actually 17. So, um, yeah, did I complete my statement? You're talking about going back to your original. Yeah, go back to what 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 brought you onto the path in the first place. Is it is it just because I'm hitting a spot where this is kind of desolate? Doesn't feel like I'm getting anywhere. I'm going anywhere. I'm losing my inspiration. Then you can just re return to why you did it in the first place. If, if for for me, I don't have a strong concept or a memory of what that inspiration was. Okay. How do I return to that? Return to the absence of the inspiration. Fooled you. No, it's a, it's a good question. I don't, I don't mean to be uh, evasive, but I'm saying there, there's something there. And I would look at, if there was an inspiration, you can uh, you can go back there somewhere. As I recall, you really wanted to come here. 
And, and as I recall, when you asked for, to sew robes, I didn't just say, okay, go ahead. I had to wait a while, look at it. So what's your inspiration to uh, sew a robe? First thought, best thought. Let me have it. Help out. Oh, so you did have, you did remember what that was. <laughs> to help others, to help yourself, get good at sewing, to see how terrible you are at sewing. How's it coming, by the way? The rope? Mm-hmm. I didn't put my fork gel on. Hmm. You're doing okay. Do you ever stick his finger with a needle? <laughs> I'll get into this mess. <laughs> <laughs> we make him redo things every now. Do you? Good. <laughs> Glad to hear that. Do you then? How is responsibility other than blame? So the word... Uh, blame the blame is like they that person did this or they caused this and this they need to be punished or they need to be held responsible or I can't let them do that again we all know about that kind of blame or else I'm to blame here I go again I've done it again why can't I stop doing this I keep making problems for myself and others blame 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 or any kind of any directional kind of thing but responsibility as I understand it is uh, you have you have the ability to respond and how you respond is situational. In other words, if, if there's something that is uh, uh, going, uh, going awry, is creating suffering for yourself or for others, then be able to re respond to that by including that in your awareness without rejecting it by blaming either direction. Don't reject what is there and laminate some kind of idea on top of it. And how do you do that? You actually feel the quality of the negativity or the difficulty that you're having. So you, you're responding to it. How do you respond? Just be with that, not not accept it, but not look away from it. Don't do anything with it. It's it has its own energy, but it's like you have to accept it. It's in you probably in your face anyway. And how do you uh, how do you respond? You just give it your attention, and, and then the situation itself. If you're clear, the situation itself will will tell you what to do, and it probably won't be living up to any kind of a standard that this old man set or any tradition set or anybody set. You have to function out of what you see. That's why this uh, is not like any other monastery you've ever been in, because we follow some of the forms. We follow some of the traditional forms. Of course, we chant sutras, but there's a lot of forms that are very, very strong in other monasteries and temples and traditions and teaching styles that are we just don't use here. One of them being functional speech. That's not a particularly good practice. And I don't have opinions. So well, maybe that's an opinion. Five one. <laughs> I've done it. Yes. Sushi. Um, a question from Benjamin. Yes. Where is he at? He didn't answer. I don't know. Hmm. Hiding. Transcending what appeared separate and also what shares a choiceless identity with Nirvana to include both in a dialectic universation. Question mark? No. Nice try. Uh, he's in Florida. Oh, well, in that case, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Changes the whole thing. Uh, question from Shane in California. He's probably gonna he's probably gonna have, have it right in California. Oh no, wait a minute, there's a lot of fire out there. My goodness. Go ahead, Shane. For one who is realized, is belief optional? No. But the same answer. <laughs> <laughs> Who downloaded that? <laughs> no, it's not optional. 
What is belief to someone who's realized? It doesn't exist. Belief is a waste of time. But uh, to the ego mind, it's seen as something that you need to do to protect yourself. You need to believe in something. Everybody believes in something. If you understand Buddhism, you don't even believe in Buddhism. Nor do you disbelieve. That's why it's difficult. That's why the ego mind cannot quite, you know, it doesn't have enough marbles to play in that game. Belief in Buddhism is trying to figure that out. But belief gets its meaning from disbelief. And disbelief gets its meaning from belief. So if you don't pick and choose anything, then you just have a complete open dimension of being. And there may be things that you do, and there's other things that you don't do, but they don't come out of belief, disbelief, or having a particular position on something. This doesn't mean that you might not be totally flooded with all kinds of positions and ideas. But as you've heard me say before, there's not a solid me feeling or entity behind all of that to accept that as their territory. So therefore, the beliefs can come and go. They just can't find a, a believer. Further questions? The title you gave me was transmutation. Mm -hmm. You've also been saying transformation. Is there a difference between those? Transmute, transform, L ones are spelled different. So the transmutation is, uh, is more of the tantric uh, idea of um, changing lead into gold, that kind of almost magical transformation. And I think it's probably talked about that way because it's not because it's not magical or not. It's not incredibly uh, a profound uh, understanding, but that's also to kind of magnetize you into that situation. You said something about looking at the form until you see what it is. Mm -hmm. So is the seeing where the transformation or change? Yes, the, the, the witness of of the situation, uh, just a literal way of saying it doesn't really do this, but we have to talk about it somehow, but it, the witness merges with the subject. And not only that, but the, the space in which the subject and the uh, object arise also, that space also merges with those. So everything uh, is not separate. And so it's transmuted, it's transmuted into wisdom Wisdom doesn't come and doesn't go. It doesn't see, it doesn't not see. There isn't anything but wisdom. If you if you understand what this fundamentally is, there isn't anything but that. Questions are good if you have them. Kian. Is Shikantaza transmutation? Um it's a it's a path it's the path that quality. Shikantaza is sitting down and watching the changes come and go that are uh, show up in the form of passion, aggression, ignorance, hope and fear anxiety, all of those things. We just observe that kind of go without interfering, without trying to artificially go in and make it go away or put some kind of medication or meditation on top of it and stop it from happening. So it's uh, it's 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 not that you couldn't do something with, with that or with anything in your life. It's just that we tend to do things too quickly. We We need to wait and see fundamentally what the situation is. And then then situationally, we might go in and move something over or change something, but it doesn't come out of a decision. It's just obvious that hole needs to be filled up. This one needs a hole over here. This person needs to be told such and such. This person uh, doesn't need to be told anything. And it's not doesn't come out of a thinking process. If it comes out of a thinking process, then there's somebody wants something out of it, even if it's their happiness. But that spiritual materialism as uh, the Dorje Dvadala Mukpo, Trungpa, and Puche. 
that Vidyadara said over and over again. Michael. What would the witness merging with the subject look like? You wouldn't see it. If you see it, then then there's still a witness kind of checking in and making sure this works okay. Making sure that the transformation, transmutation is uh, transformed and transmutable. And that when you get done, there's some kind of a docket sheet where you can you know, run the numbers on it. Yep, that happened. So it's not that. It's it's that's why I say it in a little bit differently, different way. As I say, it's already the case, but we we're backed out of it, and the way we're backed out of it is by being downloaded into this physical form as a human being. Yes. So do we do we separate ourselves from wisdom? Yes. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> no, you can go ahead. Further question, Michael. How can we work with form as a spiritual practice without engaging in spiritual materialism? Just just keep your awareness on it. Just uh, be aware of coming and going. And if it shows up as spiritual materialism, don't get rid of it. Don't get rid of anything. Don't, don't, as a, the talk I gave a few weeks ago is don't improve. I'm not saying you shouldn't get better at something or improve, simply put. But if you focus on improvement, then you tie into the, the that particular uh, set of, uh, rotations or orbits uh, that are locked into a material plane. Nothing wrong. You just get better and get worse, get better and get worse. Take any anyone who's doing anything that shows up, especially in the public, and they'll get better and get worse. The one that shows up quite strong are athletes. They'll get really, really good, and then they'll suddenly go downhill. And then they'll get better for a while. More? How can we know if it's spiritual materialism? Uh, you, you want something out of it. You, it's a merchandising mentality, you tit-for-tat kind of thing. You want to get somewhere, get something. And it's not that you couldn't have some kind of understanding that way, but we tend to overdo that. We tend to we tend to try to look for success, and when we don't get the kind of success we thought we should have, then we begin to worry or even go the other way. That's why it's necessary to have the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, the Three Jewels. You need to have a teacher. On some, in some way, you have to have a teacher and have to have a teaching that is a true teaching, true teacher. You have to have a sangha. The sangha doesn't have to be true. <laughs> they, can be, they can be a mess. As Coben said when someone asked him, uh, how would you describe the sangha, Coben? I think he said, wasn't it a garbage pit? Which, of course, is a garbage pit. Question from Greg in the UK. Yes. Is there a difference between regular awareness and panoramic awareness? Yes. Regular awareness is, I see that. Panoramic awareness is, uh, I don't see anything. Further questions? In that distinction, in the, in the visual consciousness, for example, are, is it still receiving that, um, the colors and shapes in the panoramic yes. awareness? Yes. But nothing is singled out, so I don't see anything. Don't see anything. I don't think you see them, but you don't. You don't single anything out. It, it'll single itself out. So that's why I often say, I'm saying now, you just everything should be unreceived. Just whatever's happening, just receive. Don't add comments to it or stack things up against it so you can't see what it is, including your life. Sure. I know in some of the teachings, it seems like um, it encourages us to get familiar with, like the Zogchen teachings talk about the basic space. Mm -hmm. and to to rest in this in that space is there any encouragement to to stay with that a little bit 
in the the uh, Atisha Seven Points of Mind training, it talks about um, in the uh, uh, absolute bodhicitta section, absolute relative bodhicitta, or uh, mind awakening. It talks about resting in the nature of alia, or just rest in the nature of nothing in particular, which would be alia. The alia vijnana or the store consciousness. That's one aspect of it is storage. The other aspect of it is um, storage stuff. Michael. If the witness and the subject are already the same thing, yes. Um, how can we separate? How, how can we separate ourselves from projections? We do it through projections, and then we use the the apparent separation of, which is quite apparent. It's a physical separation. You're there. I'm here. Everybody's there. It's the, the, the duality is the subject and the objects or any object. This you and other person. We objectify things. We, we push on that belief that everything is separate. And we encourage that even further by saying some of the things that are separate are really bad and I don't like them. So other things are really good and I like them or I want them. Or we have some friends and some foes. To someone who is who understands this deeply, they don't have friends or enemies. It doesn't mean they wouldn't have some people that are more difficult to work with than other people. But they don't, they don't uh, consolidate that into an opinion about different people. This doesn't mean they don't see what's going on. They don't miss. They don't miss much, but they, they don't, what they're not missing, they also don't abandon by going to a con conclusion about it. Don't conclude anything. That might sound like to some people that are not ready to hear it, that's going to sound like very bad advice. But those that are ready to hear it, they'll understand. Is there a way to differentiate a conclusion from a thought? No, thought is a conclusion. So, but when I say don't conclude, I can't help but conclude, but that's why I teach it that way. So you'll look at the conclusion. So it's about awareness. It's not about concluding, but it's about watching how you conclude so that that awareness uh, is in there and starts to transmute that actual conclusion into its fundamental nature, which is not separate. And the, the conclusion may come or go because this is dependently arisen. Pratija Samudpada or the, the dependent origination of anything that's coming and going dependent on everything else. So it, it will take a, a while for that to wear out or run down or to be seen through or to conquer the world. Yes. An example that's often used with transmutation is transmuting anger into, I think it's mirror-like wisdom. Yes. That's a, yes. That's a, what was the Buddha family for that? Akshobhya? Akshobhya. Akshobhya. Yeah. How does just looking at anger allow the mirror-like wisdom to be revealed. Mm -hmm. See if I can remember. <laughs> I think what what is seen there, the mirror-like quality of it, uh, if it's if it becomes still, but it which it can become still through meditation practice. That anger, uh, if it becomes still, uh, then we begin to see that everything we're looking at uh, is looking back at us. And not just other people looking at us, but but everything—the tables, the chairs, the rugs, the trees—the you know everything is looking back at us in such a way that it's like looking in a mirror. But it also can be look like looking in a mirror in the sense that everything you see is looks like yourself, not not how you look. Everything looks different, but but the, we recognize that and we see that, then the anger just starts to drop away because we. We realize it's just a—it's an energy that that is—it's not necessary to to 
bring that kind of energy. That energy just doesn't have it. The energy gets its fuel from being at war or separate or thinking something else is causing problems or uh, getting in our way, uh, bringing up impatience. We want something else. And then when we see that what that is, we already have. Anything you want, you already have. It's already the case. It's all, everything has been fulfilled, which would be, that's another one of the Buddha families. Yes. Is there something about anger that is more mirror-like than other emotions? I think transmuting it, would that, that's what needs to happen. And that can happen. You don't have to do the transmutation or the transformation uh, into mirror-like wisdom. You just have to continue to look at whatever it is. We start out by looking at a wall. It's not that that wall is going to do it. The wall is, is the training ground. The, the wall is how you train your mind to see clearly what is in front of you. So that's why I, I, I don't teach people to follow their breath or become a, a mindful or aware person. I teach people to see what, to be able to see really, really well. And if you sit, uh, as we do in this monastery, anywhere from two or three to sometimes six and a half hours a day, day after day after day after day, and look at nothing in particular, eventually what happens, you start to see the thought patterns come and go, and you begin to realize the fundamental nature of those thought patterns, that they are not separate. And by doing that, you then you go into what we call post-meditation, your everyday life, and you look at other people, things, buildings, uh, trucks, trees, uh, if anything. Um, you because of because you've been training to do that at some point there's a possibility there's no guarantee there's a possibility that you might begin to see that that's what is in front of you if you see that and see that and see that and see it clearly it probably will not go away if you if it's just a flash then it might go away so or it might come and stay if it comes and just never goes away then it it becomes very ordinary it doesn't seem like anything special until you're asked questions about it then you realize that it's just about impossible to describe. More, Juju? Not for me, but there is a question from Brett in Grand Rapids. Yes. Are all mystical experiences illusion? Yes, all experiences are illusion, and they don't last. They're they seem incredibly strong right when they're happening, whether mystical or otherwise, but they they don't last. You can't remember what you did two weeks ago on Thursday. We, we, we can't we can't recall we're going to recall some things if they're if they're uh, you know if they're emphasized by some particular event maybe maybe but even that memory is filled with uh, with making stuff up I can't remember clearly what happened Susan. is any expectation of reciprocity to protect mm, reciprocity say a little bit more give me a, give me the concrete example or a, a metaphor or something for you. Thinking of it in a very mundane sense, and the most concrete example that comes up is you would give the teachings to anybody who asks for them, but to sustain your ability to do that, there has to be some sort of dana, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm, yeah, I'm wondering how that mundane reciprocity relates to different types. So paraphrase the question so I can get to what following what you're saying, but um, yes, teaching teaching happens uh, whether you're Paid or not, you don't. We don't, it's not. You're not like a therapist. So we're just trying to meet every everyone where they're at, and, and that's where they're at. They don't have any money, so you help them anyway. So you just. I'm not sure what you're really asking. 
It's not, it's not, a, it's not tit for tat. It's not a merchandising mentality. On the other hand, because it's mutual, then if the person, if the, 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 the person who's a teacher, especially in the Buddhist tradition, actually uh, in some situations goes out without particularly teaching, but goes out and with a begging bowl and asks for help, asks to be fed. So that was done in ancient times. We don't really do exactly that. But, you know, we do. We, we ask for help. So uh, at the end of this session, when you almost stand up and say, get out your wallets. <laughs> <laughs> we'll ask for help, but we also, we, we didn't stop. We're not doing this to make money. We're doing this because this is what we need to do. And if we can get help, sometimes uh, benefactors in ancient times, and benefactors like uh, Ashoka, what was, I don't know what century it was, the third, <coughs> third century BC or something like that. He converted to Buddhism and built stupas all over the place and monuments and everything and, you know, supported a lot. So some people can't do that. Some people can. I'm not sure if I'm getting to the, I'm not sure I understand the question or. I'm not really clear on it either. Oh, maybe that's why I'm not clear. Because mm -hmm. we're not separate, you know. <laughs> yes. How can we relate to. Okay. Yeah. Choo-choo. Question from Shane in California. How can you tell if your teacher is legitimate or not? <laughs> that's a good one. Um, I would say if you, you should look at them very close, closely, and if you can, without particularly judging right away, but if you look at them very closely over time, you'll, you'll begin to see their motivation and it'll just start to show up and it won't show up because the teacher is trying to get you to do something. I would say if the teacher is trying to get you to do something, then that functions a little bit differently with each person. Uh, some people I meddle with, but I don't have a standard where I do that with everyone. It just depends on uh, if I have permission and if, uh, uh, if I can see where something I might say or do is going to be helpful. And this doesn't involve a lot of thinking or analysis. I don't know how that all happens. Um, if the teacher is uh, interested in controlling you, um, trying to get you to do this and not do that, uh, you know, some red flags could go up around that. But it's not always, uh, as uh, Suzuki Roshi said in the title of his, uh, one of his books there, not always so. Pretty hard to find something that's always the case. So uh, not only uh, authentic or genuine, but uh, genuine and authentic for you. Is this person really going to be able to help you? And uh, so it's a difficult one. I think it's uh, uh, the way I say it is don't do anything else you have to. And, you know, those of you who are wearing a rock suit know that you, did, you that isn't something I promoted. I don't promote becoming a Buddhist at all. Uh, there are teachers that do. I just don't. I think that's none of my business. You do that. You do your part, and I'll do my part. So if you, I don't know how. Any other questions around that same topic? Yeah. Um, how could you tell that your teachers were legitimate? Well, for me, uh, I couldn't get away from either one of them. So maybe I'm I was especially uh, and especially. Uh, distressed or confused individual. <laughs> I think I was, I think it was really, I was really desperate when I met my teacher, Cho Gyam Trungpa Rinpoche in 1973. How do you mean you couldn't get away from them? You didn't just, move to where they lived. I didn't want to get too close. They might tell me to do stuff. So that's why it took me forever to uh, be able to see uh, the nature of my neurosis, the decades of hard work and not 
it was my lifting um, bales of hay or anything like that. It's just just persistent for a long time. But I think it's different with each person. Shoto. The way this situation here at Sokokoji is, is showing up compared to like your personal practice, do you feel like this is an advantage over how sometimes you say it took you a long time? Absolutely. That's why I'm doing it this way. There's several things that came together all at once. One is it's three blocks from the place I went to high school. That that means something to me. And I can't I didn't do it. I did it with others. I did it with with uh other Jason and well with Uno and, and for sure with the uh with uh, um, uh, Andrew and uh Hakran without their help. It's always mutual. We're around that. Take another question if you have one. Yes. Um Don from Virginia asks, how do we balance healthy doubt of the teacher with following their teaching? That's a good one. So I would say uh, just keep the doubt. Don't, you don't have to get rid of the doubt. But nothing lasts. Uh, and doubt is, is kind of a, it's a, it takes the form of an opinion. Uh, and it, it cha- but it changes shape. You don't have to get rid of anything. You don't have to be someone else. You could actually be who you are. You could uh, attain Anutra Samyak Sambodhi, unexcelled, complete enlightenment of the Buddha, and not become another person, and not necessarily get rid of anything. Getting rid of things is, you know, moving up a step and getting rid of that garbage and stuff. Um, Trunk Rinpoche's way of talking about that is that's that's the manure. You need the manure if you're going to use that image of of uh, awakening in terms of uh, a plant. Just like the, the lotus is beautiful, but that might be a white lotus and green leaves, but has its roots in the mud. So strong contrast. So just look at the doubt. Just look at and look at the way the doubt never is quite the same. And sometimes it lightens up and it's almost gone. And then it might come right back. But I always say, don't do anything else you have to. Don't don't even find a teacher. Don't go to a teacher. If you don't have to do it, do something else. That way, if it does come time for you to go and find a teacher or begin a practice or begin meditation, you'll have the energy to do it because it's choiceless. You, it's time to do this. But if you do it out of some kind of, uh, uh, can't come up with a word for it, but some kind of, well, maybe I'll do that because my friends are doing it or something. Wouldn't be wrong. Maybe that would be your way of entering the Dharma. You might have to spend for eight years and then leave. And then when you turn 52, think, maybe I should go back and do that some more. <laughs> Meditate. Not always so. Thank you. Here's where I ask you to get out your wallets. <laughs> we do have donation boxes in the hallway and appreciate all of the help financially that you can provide for us so that we can continue these teachings and helping others. Thank you. May the merit this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. The ten directions of three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita.
Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the Tender Actions and the Three Times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokukoji Buddhist Temple Mon, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light. 